let me pray, and then we're going to jump in this morning. Father God, thank you for this great church, for this amazing group of believers. Lord, I'm so humbled. I'm so honored that you would allow me to stand on this platform. You'd allow me to share your word, that you called me into the ministry. And I'm, I'm humbled, Father. I'm humbled and I'm grateful in Jesus' name. Everybody said, <clears throat> there were three generations of farmers, and their names were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God gave promises to each of them. God gave promises to Abraham. And then we found out that Jacob took a trip through the desert and he spent the night one night and he had this supernatural encounter with God. And God told him, the promises that I gave to your granddad, I'm going to fulfill in you. The things I told your granddad I was going to do, I'm going to do in you. Well, then Jacob woke up from this dream, and he said, surely God was in this place, and I didn't even know it. I didn't know God was here. And so he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. And that's what we've been talking about is the house of God. And he said, because God's going to fulfill the promises he gave my grandfather in me, then my father's God is going to become my God. And he said, and because he's my God, I'm going to be a giver and I'm going to include God in my life financially. Now, Gideon, who's another man in the Bible, had a similar experience. He wasn't in the desert. He was hiding in a wine press, and they were sifting grain to make a little bread to have something to eat because they were oppressed by the enemies of Israel. And he has a supernatural encounter with God. And God shows up and tells him, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, uh, excuse me, but you have the wrong person. And he has this encounter with God. Now, Gideon's dad wasn't like Abraham. You see, Abraham served God. His son served God. And then Jacob, his grandson, served God. Gideon's dad was so oppressed that he became an idol worshiper just to please the neighbors, just to get the neighbors off his back. And Gideon decided, I'm not going to follow my father's false gods. I'm going to follow the true and living God. And he made God his God. Now, there's story after story after story like this in the Old Testament. Job said this. Job said, God, I heard about you. Do you remember when you heard about God? I can remember when I sat in church and I heard about God, or I heard about God from family. And he said, I heard about you, but now I know you. That is a watershed moment in every Christian's life, every human being's life. You see, Jacob said, I'm going to make my father's God my God. Gideon said, I'm going to make the true God my God. Uh, every story that you read in the Old Testament has this experience Vicky and I had the same experience. I went to a meeting at a Holiday Inn, and I made my father's God my God. Vicky went to First Assembly of God when we were young, married, and she received Christ as her Savior. You see, she grew up in a home where her dad was an atheist, and he still is an atheist. And she had a Gideon experience where she rejected the false gods of her father. My father had the very same experience 
My dad grew up in a home with an alcoholic father. My grandparents divorced. I was born in 1955, and I never remember my grandparents being married. That's how young I was when they divorced. They divorced when divorce was, was bad. It was, you know, it wasn't heard of very much. And my dad heard the gospel and received Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he rejected the false god of alcoholism in his father's life, and it changed his life. Now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all trusted God. And God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your household after you. In the New Testament, in Hebrews, it says that Abraham tithed to a priest named Melchizedek. Abraham had four wives. And out of those four wives, he had 12 children. And those 12 children were boys, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. Abraham's third great-grandson was named Levi. And it says that when Abraham gave to Melchizedek, who was a priest, that Levi was blessed because his great-granddad followed God. Now, let me say that to you one more time. It says in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that Levi, who was Abraham's third great-grandson, was blessed because Abraham chose to follow God. Abraham chose to invest in the kingdom of God. Now, let me bring that home. My father never met my children. He will meet them. Amen? He will meet them in the kingdom. But my father died when I was 18, and my first child was not born until I was 32. My dad never met my daughter. He's never met my son, and he's never met my son's two daughters. But he found Jesus Christ. He rejected domestic violence. He rejected poverty. He rejected alcoholism, and he said yes to Jesus Christ. And it profoundly impacted my life. Then it impacted my children's life, and it will impact my grandchildren's life, and it will even impact my great-grandchildren's life. My father, who never met my children, my father, who's never met my grandchildren, his choice to say yes to Jesus, your choice to come to church this morning, your choice to say yes to Jesus is going to impact your great-grandchildren. It matters how we live. It matters the choices you make. So many times we think, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm not hurting anybody. It doesn't matter how I live. It does matter how you live. It affects your children. It affects your grandchildren. And it affects your great-grandchildren. Hebrews chapter 7. I'm not going to turn there. Says that when Abraham gave finances to the priest Melchizedek, Levi, who was not even born yet, was blessed. Now, can you think of any time in your life when you've made decisions and you wondered to yourself, how will this affect my great-grandchildren? Your decisions matter. Nobody would argue this morning. I mean, if I said, hey, the way you live affects your children. We all believe that, don't we? We all believe that. 
But when I say grandchildren and even great-grandchildren, grandchildren and great-grandchildren you may never even meet. But because you're here this morning, because you're in the process of saying yes to Jesus, because you're endeavoring to walk this life, because you've endeavored to come into the house of God, your household after you is affected by it. Your household after you is blessed by it. Amen? We found out just what uh, Jacob found out. He said, this is the house of God. God is surely in this place. We built this building, and we poured anointing oil on the concrete. Then we covered it with carpet. We put up the walls, and this building could be used for a lot of things, but we've designated it as the house of God. We're here today because this is the house of God. Now, we know God doesn't live here. God lives in me, Chris. God lives in you. I invited him in, and he lives in my heart. He lives in your heart. But he meets us here, does he not? Jesus said, if two or three of you will gather in my name, I'll be there in the midst. And here's what we found out. We found out this is the house of mercy. Now, I don't know about you, but I love mercy. When Jesus hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, love held him there, not nails. Love held him there. And that was done to offer mercy. It was done to offer reconciliation. You are in the house of mercy. Now, my question when we started the service, and some of you may not have been here the very first moment we started. You might have come in a moment or two afterwards. I asked this question, have you turned on your expector this morning? You see, it's so critical when you come in God's house, what are you expecting? And I've said this many times before, but it's always so good. He that expects nothing will not be disappointed. You come in expecting nothing and you leave getting nothing. What are you expecting? What are you hungry for? What do you need this morning? Have you preheated your oven? And we talked about the oven being a metaphor for your heart. Did did you prepare yourself? And I'm not talking about doing anything weird or anything like that. I'm just talking about when you get in the car and on the way here, you reach down and you turn on your expector. Now, maybe you flip yours on. I don't know. Maybe you turn yours on, right? Okay. I've spent uh, two weeks looking for a kitchen timer. Remember the old white kitchen timer that you turn? Okay, I have looked, Now I probably could find one on the internet. I didn't look on the internet. Uh, I could have probably got, but Walmart doesn't have them. The dollar store doesn't have them. Everything now is electronic. You know, everything now is a timer. And we use those two at our house. But in my mind's eye, I can see that white timer. Can you see it? And it's got that little dial on it. And so imagine that's inside of you right here. And you turn on your expector. Okay, what are you expecting this morning? Listen, you're in the house of mercy. And if you need mercy, it's available. All you have to do is reach out and take it. Lamentation says his mercies are new every morning. I don't know about you, but I thank God for his mercy. Second thing we found out was that this is the house of wholeness. This is the house of wholeness. Wholeness means to be sound. Like I told you, like a fresh two before from the lumber yard. Can you close your eyes and smell that fresh wood? And it's not stained and it's solid and it's hard. That's what soundness means. 
Okay, that's what wholeness means. This is the house of wholeness. And you see, you got to understand something. You got to understand about my life. You see, when I showed up in church, now I'm not talking about as a kid. I went with my parents to church. Thank God my parents took me to church. Thank God my father was enough of a man that he got me up on Sunday and took me to church. And when I was a teenager and out doing things I shouldn't be doing, the later I got home on Saturday night, the earlier I got up on Sunday morning. Right? Thank God for a father who had found Christ and took me to church. I went to church. I, see, I found Jesus as a 12-year-old. The pastor came to our home, and I heard the gospel, and I said yes to Jesus Christ. And you know what I did? I got in line behind my dad. You know, my dad was the leader in the house, not Rusty. And so I followed my father as he followed God. And there's a season for that, and it should be that way. I followed my father as he followed God. But then when I'm 18 years old, he loses his life at his job. And then from 18 to 21, I'm a disaster. I'm a train wreck. And at 21, I go to a Holiday Inn, and I have a Bethel experience. And my God, my father's God, became my God. Then I went to the house of God with a different reason. I wasn't made to go. That was always one of the sayings in our house. Do I have to do this? No, you get to do this. Right? Do I have to go to bed? No, you get to go to bed. Do I have to cut the grass? No, you get to cut the grass. Amen? So I started going to church because I wanted to go to church. But here's what you got to understand. I had an orphan spirit on me. What's that mean? Well, my father dies when I'm 18. My mother's crushed emotionally. Crushed emotionally. My dad's in the ground, physically his body, and my mom is just totally taken out. And so I have this orphan. I'm on my own. Here's what the devil told me. You're on your own. No one cares, least of all God. And the life you've got coming ahead of you is totally up to you. That's what an orphan spirit is. So I, when I went to the house of God, I had an orphan spirit. I was also broke. I was also uneducated. I was devastated by the death of my father, and I dropped out of college. Now, don't feel sorry for me. I was not the greatest college student that ever lived, okay? It's not like I had to drop out of the Ph.D. program, all right? That, that wasn't what I was doing, okay, all right. But I dropped out of college, okay? So I'm broke. Uh, I have an orphan spirit. I'm uneducated, and uh, I was sick. I had some stuff going on in my life. So you see, I showed up in the house of God. And, and when I showed up in the house of God, uh, you know, I thought the front row was for me. I, I didn't know there was a back row. And I wanted something. I needed something. And I, and I didn't let a hateful Christian cheat me out of what was mine. Hey, hey, I hadn't seen you in church in a while. Well, somebody said that I was sitting in their chair. And so I'm not coming back. Well, you see, you see, I was too desperate. I was too broke. I was too sick. See, I, sometimes I don't understand about people. I don't understand how people just settle into the life they have and they're satisfied with so little. And they own all that junk in their life, right? My rheumatoid, my arthritis, my cold, my flu, right? 
It's mine. I sat with a lady at a dinner not very long ago, and she introduced her children to me, and she didn't use their names. Uh, she said, this is my whiner. This is my troublemaker. This is the, my, it, that, I'm serious. She did it. I'm just amazed at how we settle in. And you see, I showed up at the house of wholeness, and I was broken, man. You've been broken? Man, I, I was messed up, Jack. I was messed up bad. I'm broke. I'm sick. I'm an orphan. I'm married and trying to be married, and I stink at it. I was a terrible husband. I know how to be a husband. I couldn't call my dad. He's dead. I showed up in the house of wholeness, and listen, no, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not picking on anybody. No Christian, no preacher, no devil from hell was going to keep me from what I needed. Well, the music's too loud, it's too low, it's too slow, it's too long. Uh, what is that smoke in the church? The lights are too loud, they're too bright, they're too dim, it's too hot, it's too cold. I was just too desperate for all that. Nothing, are y'all, are, is anybody in here like that? I mean, it's like I needed something from God. My wife needed me to get something from God, or I wasn't going to have a wife. So when anybody got in my way, I loved them and ran them over. Because you're not going to get in between me and what God wants to do in my life. I went to the house of wholeness. And you know what? God helped me not be broke. He helped me with my healing. I don't have an orphan spirit anymore. I'm not alone. Now, I've got a family that loves me, and I thank God for them. See, if you've ever lost a family, and I have, if you've ever lost a family, all I wanted was a family. My dad's dead. My mom's not doing good. My family was done. It, it was over. All I wanted was a family. Well, God's given me that back. He's taking care of my health. I mean, I, I fight battles just like everybody does, right? I got this little ticker on the inside of me. The other night, we didn't run the fan because it was cold. And when we got up, Vicky said, my Lord, you got to run that fan. I said, why? She said, all I hear all night is that ticking. And it's driving me crazy. So, so I, I'm not, see, see, the point is I'm not perfect, but I'm here. Amen. Amen. So God began to change me. I believe he's been changing you. As I look across this room, I could have different ones of you stand up. And I know you could tell the same story in a different way that I'm telling. We're in the house of wholeness. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. I have been oppressed. Oppressed means for something or somebody to have their thumb on you. I've been oppressed I know many of you in here have been oppressed. But you know what happened? I went to the house of wholeness, and I ran into Jesus of Nazareth. And he changed my life. No, he didn't change it overnight. He's still not done changing me. Amen? I'm still a messed up dude. Right? Just ask that lady on the front row right there. I still got stuff in my life, right? You do too, don't you? I know you do. I know Jesus does, man. I know. 
I know Rusty does. My gosh. I mean, it's why it's like, come on, amen. That's, come, now they're clapping. Yeah, now, was that your kids clapping or your mother-in-law? It doesn't matter. All right. All right. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I got that oppression off me because I came into the house of wholeness and I exposed myself to the life of God and to the things of God. Here's the next thing I want to show you with the time that we have left. This is the house of healing. This is the house of healing. Healing for your body, healing for your mind, healing for your emotions, healing for your marriage, healing for your kids, healing for your grandkids, healing for your family. You are in the house of healing. Healing is available. Healing is the will of God. The Bible says it's the children's bread. My granddaughter, I got two of them now. And that, y'all are going to hear so many grandkids stories coming up, man. Amen. My oldest grand, that sounds so good to say. I can't wait till they're old enough to run around with me. And I can say, come on, girls. Amen. Throw them in the pickup and go to Sonic. My oldest granddaughter loves bread. She's loved bread ever since she was a little bitty. You know, you give her bread, and we eat bread at our house. You know, like today after lunch, after church, we're going to have rolls, and you put jelly and, and butter, and, and, and she'll eat the jelly off and hand you the roll back. And, and you know, me being who I am, I just put more jelly on it, and she eats it, and I gives it back, and I put more on. And pretty soon her mother notices what's happening, and she's like, stop that, right? That child loves bread. I love bread. I know many of you in here love bread. Listen, Healing is the children's bread. It belongs to you. Now, I want to read you a story this morning out of the New Testament where Jesus encounters a woman, and she finds healing. It's Mark 5, 25. Let me read you the story. Then I want to share a couple of things with you. We're doing good on time, so listen to what this says. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Well, then she heard about Jesus. You remember when you heard about Jesus? She heard about Jesus. And she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if only I can touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, another translation says virtue, life, life went out of him. He turned and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you and you're going to ask who touched you? He looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You are in the house of healing. There's a woman 
that's been bleeding for 12 years. She can't get it to stop. The doctors can't get it to stop. She has spent her savings. She has nothing left, and she's not doing any better. In the Old Testament and New Testament culture, she was considered unclean. She was not supposed to be in public, and she was not supposed to touch anybody. If she went into public, she was supposed to say, unclean, unclean. So that way I didn't bump into her at Allsup's. Wouldn't that be fun? Can you imagine? So she violates culture, goes out, and sees Jesus passing by, and there's this crowd around him because life draws a crowd And she begins to make her way through the back of the crowd, touching people. This says that she said to herself, she said to herself, if I touch him, I'll be well. Now, can I just ask you a question? What have you been saying to yourself lately? It says she said within herself, if I touch him, I'll be better. What have you been saying? What were you saying on the way here this morning? When you turned on your expector, what were you saying? Lord, I got to have a miracle. Lord, I got to show up in this place and you got to touch me. You got to touch my baby. You got to touch my mama. You got to touch my grandma. What have, what have you been saying? Well, you never know what God's going to do. She didn't do that, did she? No, she was desperate. Have you ever been desperate? Seriously, I've been desperate. I've been, I've been desperate. Seriously. I go to the heart doctor, and he says, you need a new heart valve. I thought I went in the wrong room. I'm serious, right? I eat broccoli. I work out. Isela will vouch for it, right? I ride the Airdyne every day. I eat broccoli. Nobody likes broccoli. I thought I went in the wrong room. The doctor said, do you smoke? No, sir. Do you drink? No, sir. No, now, do you drink? No, sir. Do you drink? No, sir. Do you drink a little? No, sir. He didn't believe me. I said, but I ate broccoli. You know what he said? I don't care. Really? I also eat kale. You know what kale is? That's that vegetable they put out for decoration for salads. I was boiling it and eating it because it's a superfood. Hey, I eat kale. I eat broccoli. I eat spinach. Do you smoke or drink? No, sir, I don't, but I eat kale. I don't care. They didn't care. If you're eating that, stop, okay? Because they don't care. I thought I was in the wrong room. Now, seriously, I thought I was in the wrong room. All I'm saying is, why are you, why are you telling me this, Pastor? Because I was desperate. You remember back when I had a detached retina, and I had two eye surgeries on this eye, and Vicky and I went to the, see the doctor the third time, and we were going to run some errands and go eat lunch after we left, and he looked in my eye, and he said, uh, you have scar tissue, you're going to need another surgery. We didn't run errands. We didn't go eat. We went out and got in the car and we bawled. And we just went home. I've been desperate. And I know many of you have been desperate. She was desperate. 
She was desperate. And she forced her way through that crowd and touched his garment. And the instant she did, his life flowed into her. Now listen to me. It wasn't the garment. It was who was wearing it. I've seen people on TV trying to sell those garments and that if you'll buy one like what he had, you'll be healed. It wasn't the cloth. It was the king. Now, you don't need the cloth. You need Jesus, and he's available. She touched that garment, and she was instantly made whole. And he stopped dead in his tracks. He felt it. He felt it. And he said, hey, somebody touched me. And you know, the guys were like, come on, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Yeah, but somebody touched me with their expector on. See, everybody else bumped into him, but they hadn't turned on the switch. See, if you were to get a piece of wire and come over here and stick it in one of these outlets, there would be a connection, would there not? Amen, amen. There would be a connection. She had her expector turned on. How did she turn it on? She said within herself, I'm going to touch him. No devil in hell, no Pharisee, no well-meaning person is going to stop me. My culture's not going to stop me. The crowd's not going to stop me. I'm going to touch him, and I'm going to be made whole. She pressed through that crowd. She touched him, and she was instantly made whole. And he says, who touched me? And when he did, she fell down on the ground. Now, listen, the last thing she wanted was attention brought to herself. She didn't want attention brought to herself. But the attention was on her. And he turns around, and he sees her. And Jesus, being the loving Savior that he is, being the Lord that he is, he looked at her, and he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. You are in the house of healing. You have Jesus available to you. And all you have to do is reach out and touch him. All you have to do is turn on your expector. All you have to do is approach him with gratitude. All you have to do this week is say, thank you, Jesus. You're my deliverer. Healing belongs to me. It is the children's bread. What have you been saying to yourself? Hey, he's my deliverer. She forced her way through the crowd. I I can just so see that in my head. You know, I can just see Jesus walking and everybody's jostling and bumping. And, you know, they're bumping into him accidentally. But one hand reaches out through him. And when it gets a hold of that garment, life flows out of him and up her arm and into her body. And she's instantly made well. She had her expector turned on. Her Bethel moment was on that dirt road. I don't know where your Bethel moment is or where it's going to be. But all you got to do is reach out. Now, you're not going to touch him physically. The day's going to come. You will. The day's going to come. I'm going to wrap my arms around him, and I'm going to hug him, and I'm going to squeeze him, and he's going to squeeze me. That day's coming. But till that day, I'm going to keep my expector turned on. And when I come into the house of mercy, when I come into the house of wholeness, when I come into the house of healing, I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to touch him, and I'm going to leave different. 
I'm going to leave different. Every single week when I come through this door, I'm going to leave different. Because this is the house of healing. Would you bow your head and let me pray for you? Father God, I want to thank you for your house. Lord, I want to thank you that this is exactly what you said it is. It's your house. You're our father. You're the head of this house. This is your place. And we're here because we're your sons and your daughters. Lord, I love you so much. You've been so good to me. You've been so faithful to me. Father, as I look back on my life, I'm blown away by what you've done. Thank you that this is the house of mercy. This is the house of wholeness. This is the house of healing. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters this morning. I pray for us as a family. Lord Jesus, we reach out and we touch you. Just like the woman with the issue of blood touched you, we touch you. And we thank you that your virtue, your life flows into us. It flows into our children our grandchildren, our parents, our grandparents, our household. Thank you, Father, that this is the house of healing. There's nothing too big for you, nothing too hard for you, nothing too old for you. You're our deliverer, and we're grateful. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please?